This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ko Sam Tokawingua. My name's Sam, and I'm the Mayor of Selwyn District. People from all over Aotearoa New Zealand and the world have chosen to call Waikirikiri Selwyn their home. From the first settlers around Te Wahora Lake Ellesmere over 700 years ago, followed by the first wave of Pakeha settlers in the mid-1800s, to the newcomers of today. Each person, each face, each voice has a new story to tell. By listening to the Faces of Selwyn podcast, you'll hear the voices and stories behind these faces and celebrate with us the diversity of our district, New Zealand's fastest growing region. So sit back, relax and enjoy the story. Kia ora koutou. hello everyone, no mai haramai. Welcome to the Faces of Sewan podcast. Today we are here with Paul Ubana Jones. Uh, so, Paul, what's hello in your national language, or I suppose Swiss German? Oh, Swiss you... German from Zurich. Yeah. Um, grüezi. Grüezi. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Grüezi. Grüezi. Yeah, you're getting better already. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Grüezi. Now, tell us a bit about yourself, your family, and your passion for music. Myself. Uh, I was born in the 50s, early 50s, in London, southeast London, mm-hmm. uh, in a scungy old block of uh, council flats with two brothers and my mum and dad. So this was in the uh, 50s, early 50s I was born. One of my brothers a year, uh, 18 months earlier, and the oldest one was born in 47. And we grew up, it was all pretty basic and uh, really working class. My dad was a dustman from Nigeria. He didn't have work all the time, so he had to suffer unemployment, going to the dole to see what jobs were available. And my mother would raise the kids, as us three boys, as best as she could, and she was very good at doing that. And so that was our existence, you know. It was, um, it was just above that poverty line, as it was for so many others. And when I was seven years of age, I got seriously ill and I was in hospital for a year with rheumatic fever, which was quite quite common in those days because it was all based on bad housing, dampness and all that stuff. I survived it. And, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, and I survived it and, um, yeah, went through schooling and at the age of 11 I got my first guitar and that's when the journey started for me. Mm. So that's when you first got into music. Yeah, I th- but Dad, if Dad had got some extra pounds, shillings, and pence, just a little bit of pocket money after giving the money to Mum to pay for you know everyday existence mm-hmm. and the rent and that, his English was atrocious, so uh, he couldn't articulate things like things like that. So Mum used to do all that. If there was anything left over, he'd come back with a, a single, a forty-five single, or. If he was really flush, he'd have an album. And we had a record player. The family did. It It didn't belong to us boys. It was mum and dad's, but we could put things on. And uh, and that's when I got turned on to music. That road and the other road was radio. And then TV was much later. So what sort of things were you listening to back then? Um... You know, things like corny things like, I take these chains from my heart and set me free, Ray Charles. And my, not Ray Charles immediately at first, some gospel stuff um, that my dad would find down East Lane, you know, a small single or that. And then Ray Charles came a bit later 
which I, oh, yeah. It got I you? Did, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Val Doonigan as well, and lots of other people that were being played on the radio. Uh, the Springfields, Dusty Springfields, uh, two brothers that she used to sing with. Yeah, there was a lot going on, and it was it was all about change and going into a new era as such, and mm, a lot of it was being expressed through music. Mm, cool. And so, I guess, is music what led you to travelling places, would you mm, say? Mm. So tell me a bit about that. Well, that came a bit later, the actual travel factor. When I was 16, I got I had a guitar. Um, it wasn't my first guitar. It was about two down the line. And with my girlfriend of that time, my mum freaked out. My dad hadn't been long dead. We hitchhiked down to the south of France and I used to busk in little um, squares or villages and and stuff like that. So that's when I really got a taste for... Because I'd read all these stories about all these musos that would busk or move from town to town and either solo or in bands. And somehow I wanted to be part of that as best as I could. So the best way was to experience that, get across across the, uh, you know, the water to France and off you go. So that bug started from then onwards, the travel factor with music. Yeah, and then it transpired into um, um, changing country and moving and living in other countries, but that was later on. So then what country did you go to after that? After the UK? Yeah. Um, I moved to France Mm -hmm. and it was quite a strange story because um, one of the guys that was on the three-year music course that I was on in Chiswick in London, he came to see me playing in this band one night and we had a in the break, and particularly after the gig, we had a few drinks, and he said, what are you doing here, man? You did, why are you playing in these awful bars? Anyway, cut a long story short, um, he said, I've got this house in the south of France. I said, what? He said, no, I don't own it. I, I'm the caretaker of this lovely place, and the owner comes down every summer, and that's when I have to move out. So he said, uh, why don't you come down there and we'll do some playing together? He was a guitar player as well. So I moved down to France and I moved down there for a couple of years and it it was a new direction. It was a massive change in the book of my life to do that, to get out of London and to be in France and the the air is different, the smells are different, all that stuff and busking and meeting French musicians and drinking lots of good cheap wine and <laughs> the stuff you do that Rambo did and all these great poets, crazy people, not that I was trying to copy them, but um, it wasn't boring. It was incredibly um, switched on. Mm. So that was a big change and it's the doorway that got me into this is what I want to do with all my life, playing music. I kind of knew that anyways. Mm. But getting out of your home country mm. and pushing the boundaries out a bit via one's playing mm. allowed me to do that. Mm. And so then you moved, after moving to France, you moved to, is that when you moved to, to Switzerland? Switzerland? Yeah, your geography's good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Some people say, we're Switzerland. Um, yeah, and um, this lady that used to come down with her... Um, uh, her um, 
other female friends. We kind of started an affair down in France and she was teaching just outside of Zurich. She said, why don't you come up and live with me? And I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I did. But she threw me out after three months. Oh, she said, you're crazy. You didn't last long. I can't live with you. <laughs> so it was a nice getting thrown out. It wasn't like really like violent and, you know, it was like we used to see each other, you know, for a rom- romantic, romantic get-togethers. Yeah. But I wasn't living there because I was drinking all her father's expensive wine. Oh. <laughs> smoking, doing all the things she wasn't quite used to. But because of that, um, she connected me up with this house that had more kind of um, like people living there, freak, not freak freaks, but people that had a different kind of... Artists uh, or...? Not necessarily, no, just people that are a bit more open-minded about sitting up to the late hours, drinking a lot and talking about literature and smoking endless amount of cigarettes and me playing guitar until four in the morning and not being hassled. So, yeah. Anyway, that kind of changed and... Via that, I met this beautiful lady who um, be- transpired that she became my wife and mm. we, she changed my life in as much as got me on a straight and narrow, not this wild blah, 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 party <laughs> She freak. tamed you. <laughs> she tamed me in a way that was, yeah, uh, it wasn't to smother my uh, artistic uh, soul or anything. It was just to get my head together because I was kind of all over the place, you know, Mm -hmm. that was wild. (laughs) So that was Corrine. And I'd said to her one night, if if ever I leave this country, Switzerland, it will be you as my wife. And we were at this dinner table with about seven other Swiss people, and they all went silent, you know. Anyway, that transpired to be the case. We got married in 83, when she was seven months pregnant. And we had three other kids, so we had four all in all, and we're still together. What is it now? 2020-something? 21. 21. Yeah. Not bad. It's good innings. And you moved with her to New Zealand and to Selwyn. That's right. Australia first. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Ten months, maybe a year. Oh, it's awful. That's Ter- all right. <laughs> terrible gigs. Three-hour gigs for $70, you know, in pubs that people were just drinking, drinking. It was an awful circuit. Didn't like it. Anyway, cut a long story short, we ended up in New Zealand, and it was like a breath of fresh air. It Mm. still had the madness, but it wasn't in your face and as as aggressive as what I'd experienced in Australia. So we thought, this is a nice place, and things rolled from there. Mm. Applied. Kareem's a very successful academic in Swiss terms, but seemingly it wasn't her um, her status academically that was um, required, and uh, so I applied as a musician. Mm. This was in 87, mm-hmm. and we got lucky. So where in New Zealand were you living then? Then, um, yes, initially in Raglan, yep. and then across to Gizzi, yep. to Gisborne, yeah, and then it all folded from Gisborne, it was... It was there, that's um, where we put our roots down, I guess, initially. Mm. And then you sort of made your way down south. That's right. Yeah, Gisborne was great, but there were other things that were necessary in to be um, sorted out in their family existence. And one was to try and get me off the road, you know, not being constantly away with four kids. It just, 
It would have been the end of the, the marriage, and yeah, it wasn't. That wasn't the idea. I, I think it was to have equilibrium to a good degree, and not just all about me. So we, um, via some other people, they made a contact for me at the Nelson School of Music. So we moved down to Upper Mutare, and um, we, um, I got a gig there teaching uh, high school kids guitar and pro- mainly collective groups five six seven at a time mm-hmm. or the good ones singular uh, lessons but it was well oh, i didn't like it it was mm, not for you <laughs> no it wasn't it was mainly because of the lack of uh, focus on those kids they were all over the place and rightly so they were young and you know there's this freak sitting in front of them saying do you like Hendrix? Because <laughs> I know you don't like Chopin. <laughs> Do you like Hendrix? And they're, oh, yeah, it's all right. But it wasn't for me. Mm. So then from Nelson, you moved to Selwyn? Yes, yep. Selwyn. So how did that happen? How did that come Well, about? that happened uh, another change, you know. Um, how did that happen? Oh, I think we went to... Kareem got this gig at the dental school in Dunedin and to become a dental hygienist. Mm. This was not her original profession. She was a maths and science teacher in Switzerland. Um, So anyway, she did the hygiene course for two years and we were renting in Dunedin and we moved back to Christchurch to Kashmir. And when all that was over and she started to pick up work as a hygienist, then we wanted to see where we're going to place ourselves. And after losing one house... In um, in Southbridge, uh, there was another house that was relocated onto our acre and a quarter, and we we put our roots down there, basically. Mm. So why did you decide to put your roots down there? In Southbridge? Yeah. I guess it felt good. It was proximity to Christchurch, 50-odd Ks, nothing for us, you know. We've both been um, pretty keen travellers, so that wasn't an issue. Would be, It would have been an issue for many people, but for us it wasn't. We didn't put our kids in local school. We we followed the schooling of um, Steiner, Rudolf Steiner Anthroposophy School, and, um, and that was good for them. Mm. And then the latter years of their education, they went to state school to do their exams. So that kind of balance worked out well. Um, yeah, so those things came together quite easily. The commitment was doing that drive, sometimes four times a day. Southbridge to Christchurch, lunch, bring them home, take them back, you know, so all that stuff. Um, yeah, but you do these things. It's, it's the, the distance and the kilometres and never really been an issue as of yet. Maybe when we get older, they might be. <laughs> so Southbridge felt good. It felt friendly. Um, yeah, it was peaceful. It was, I think the tempo was good. Mm. It wasn't uh, frantic, like a big city. And it was it kind was, of laid back, would you say? Yeah, to a to a nice degree. Things yeah. were happening, but it wasn't laid back, sleepy, with people walking with shards of wheat out their mouth and, you know, y'all have a nice day. It wasn't <laughs> like that, but it just felt good. And so when you first moved to Southbridge, how did you settle there? Did you get to know any locals or any neighbours? Yeah, some people were, yeah, we got to know some neighbours. And they, the, uh, pre, the early neighbours that we got to know moved on. They were really lovely. They had, mm. two, they had two wonderful dogs that used to stick their noses over our fences and the kids loved them. So <laughs> that was a nice thing for the kids. And they come over and 
bring their dogs and eat with us and stuff like that. And then I got approached by this woman, said, um, are you Paul Lubana Jones? I said, in, in Leeston. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, um, I've heard of you and we need a guitar teacher at the high school. Was that Ellesmere College? That's right, yeah. So I used to teach there, I think it was one and a bit days a week, private lessons. How do you find that? Now, some of them were really keen and some was the usual thing. They were torn between devoting time to guitar playing and music as as opposed to playing sports and things like that. So yeah. it was okay. Mm-hmm. It served its purpose well mm-hmm. and made, met some nice people there. So that's all that mattered. And that was still going away. As the kids slowly got older and this new realm of rhythm had been established in the family, with four kids, one boy and three girls. And my wife, their mother, knew how to, you know, sort of keep it all locked in in a, in a manner that usually I I was a huge distraction for. You know, I'd come home and give them all sweets and rubbish like that <laughs> and break the whole regimen of, of <laughs> things being together. Dad's home, yay! <laughs> you know, madness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good times though. So um, that built up a kind of connection in Southbridge uh, via the high school and teaching. Mm-hmm. Had some private students that would come to our house, and that was much better. I enjoyed that. Um, but I was still touring, and I was still going away to the States to tour, and mm-hmm. not so much the UK, mainly Switzerland and America, and Canada, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, so how are those places different to Selwyn, would you say? Those places, mm-hmm. well, they're culturally very different. Mm-hmm. Their history's different, you know. Um, uh, Canada, I played some folk festivals where there were a lot of Native American Indians and I got taken back to some of their houses. Being half African, they thought I was quite different. And, um, yeah, I saw a lot of the things there that have damaged lots of people, lots of races, the drugs and the, the alcohol, and really nice creative people, but that was on their back. Mm-hmm. They had to carry and walk with that problem that was um, detrimental to their culture, still is, has been, you know, so so it was that. And black Americans take me back to their place, African Americans, and me coming up against this barrage of... Uh, you're not really black enough. Well, I said, well, define black, because your definition might apply well to America. But in my life, it's got a completely different umbrella over my head. Um, Mm -hmm. I was working in Canada and America. It was clear-cut. You were either white or you weren't. You were either white and an emigrant still new to the States or Canada, or you were Mexican uh, from Mexico or South America, or you were black, origin slaves. And it's still very there. The the resolution of that historic chord, I feel, and many others, hasn't been truly resolved harmonically. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't been sorted out there. Mm. Nice playing there. They love music. White Americans, black, Hispanic, all kinds, they love. If you play and sing with your soul which is how I do it. Um, where are you from, man? You get that, you know, they want to pull you in. Mm. They want to pull you in and baptise you with their history. Mm. 
So music brings everyone together. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, powerful place. So my agent used to, um, his dad used to run Bob Dylan and uh, Joan Byers and people that came, became very famous. Initially in the 60s, they were all anti-establishment and protest songs, Pete Seeger and all that lot. But some of them became millionaires and things change. But that was the agency that took me on and we released an album in the States. And he said to me, can you believe this? Hey man, if you want to do really big in America, Paul, you got to move here. And I <laughs> went home and told Corrine and we both went, couldn't do it. So Southbridge means a lot. It's been an integral part of my life, you know. More so than Los Angeles. And New York's nice, but it's mad as well. Mm. So I quite like what music's done for me in my life. Mm-hmm. You've experienced, I guess, places outside yeah. of Southbridge. But then does it always feel good to come back home? It does sometimes. Sometimes there's a bit of a vacuum. You feel mm. the vacuum. You think, oh, oh, not here. I've got to do the garden. Oh, no. And all the other stuff falls on you. But that just... It's just a question of putting it in place, you know. When you look at the untidy bedroom, you can stand at the door and moan all your life or you get in the bedroom and you tidy it all up and it's that's what it's like coming to Southbridge. It's an internal thing. Mm. Get it all clear and, way. Well, it's good to be back, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Takes some years to get that together, I think. Um, yeah, well, it did for me. Mm. Everyone's different. Mm. And are there <clears> times <throat> when you miss, like, Living in Switzerland, or what's... I go there every year yeah. until COVID. I, I had a 12-date tour, and after two, I got a phone call saying, Paul, you've got to come home. So, yeah, so I haven't been there for over a year now to tour. Every year I've been um, since, basically since coming to New Zealand, came in 87, I guess definitely since 89-ish, because I toured my first album in Switzerland. Yeah, so, yeah, every year going there doing high school workshops with a percussionist friend that's Palestinian, touring high schools, rhythm workshops, history of slavery workshops, all that stuff, getting them to dance and learning all these rhythms and getting them to clap with with instruments, making up instruments. I love that. So, um, yes. So you enjoy going back there? I do, I do. Switzerland's about banking and money and it's very... um, Regal Messig. It's very regular and, you know. But beyond that veneer of this money, there's all these freaks there that do wonderful drumming sessions and it's got a history of great musicians. It's got good folk music. It's mm. quite... But you have to go... You have to be there for a while to really investigate it, you know. Sounds like a cool place. It is. You must go. You'd, you'd love it. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's diverse. So it's a land... That's um, eight times smaller than New Zealand. It's got four languages. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, Swiss German, High German, German German, Hochdeutsch, um, French, Italian, and Romanche. Mm. So it's got um, German, French, Italian, Romanche, and then then there's dialects. It's Zurich dialect, Basel, Bern. You know, so that's quite quite an interesting place. Hmm. We'll have to go there sometime. You must. Put it on your <laughs> yeah, list, mate. We'll do. <laughs> cool. 
Cool. Well, I think that's us, unless there's anything else you'd like to add. Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I think um, the reason why I'm, I'm 69 in next month, I'm born in 52, 69, turned pro, I guess after music school, you could say, which was 73. 83, 93, 2003, 2013, 40 years, plus 7, 2020, 47 years, 48 years. Mm. Been, been in a, Southbridge? Or? Uh, no, being a professional oh, musician. musician. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm just not tired of it. It's really kept my spirit young. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. To get rid of my nerves on stage, I walk on stage and I... I kind of say something to people and get them laughing. Not always, but it helps. It creates an immediacy regarding the bridge, and then you play music. So that's how I want it to be for the next 10 years at least. Mm. Sounds like a good future plan. I think it <laughs> Well, thank you for your time today, Paul. My um, pleasure. It was fascinating learning about your life story. My pleasure. And one last question yes. is how do you say goodbye or farewell in uh, Swiss German? Uh, in Swiss German, um, yeah, how would you say it? You'd say grüezi is a, a greeting, hello, and then you'd say ciao. Ciao is good because it's, part, it's partly Italian, but everyone says it. It's very informal. Mm. Ciao, 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 summer. Ciao, summer? Summer. Summer. Yeah, summer. Ciao, summer. Ciao, summer. Yeah, everyone, goodbye. And viel Glück für deine Zukunft. Good luck for your future. Viel Glück für deinen Zukunft. Viel Glück für deinen für deinen Zukunft. Zukunft. Future, yes. I have to practice that. <laughs> oh yeah, it takes ages, mate. I'm still practicing it. Good. Cool. Oh, cool. well, that's the end of this Faces of Selwyn podcast. Um, again, thanks, Paul, for Pleasure. coming along. And hope everyone has a great day. Kia pai te da.